0: All right, well, the title of today's message is uh, Winning the World to Christ, and I've got some fancy slides. I'm really proud of them, so if I look up there and I smile at some point, it's because I'm admiring my work. Um, So I'm really excited, and uh, it seems like a lofty goal, doesn't it? Winning the entire world to Christ. How could we possibly win the whole world to Christ? And even as I was praying, I was saying the word evangelism, and I know that, that elicited all sorts of connotations in your mind. Maybe you're thinking of uh, a giant open-air crusade with like a Billy Graham preaching, or you're thinking to yourself, maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about a, a guy on a street corner with a billboard you know, that says, turn or burn, and they've got, they've got like a bullhorn with them or something. Or maybe you're thinking of like that awkward conversation that you have going door to door, and you're like praying that they aren't eating dinner as you're knocking. You're like, Lord, just have them not yell at me when I knocked on this door. I want to disarm you and, and let you know that I'm not talking about any of those things today. In fact, I'm talking about a more foundational idea of not, not going out and doing witnessing to the world, but actually living as a witness. And so I'm going to rename this sermon already, Winning Your World to Christ, And in particular, we're going to talk about your sphere of influence and how God has called you to be a witness everywhere you go and not just, um, going out there. And you might think to yourself, well, Brian, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my gifting. That's your gifting. Well, I want to, I want to tell you right now that, uh, evangelism, let's pull up the definition of evangelism right now. So it's from the Koine Greek word, evangelion, and the translation of that is actually, the root is good, and the second part is I bring a message. So essentially, it's good news, which is kind of funny because we get nervous to share the gospel, but in your real life, in your, your daily activities, you're never really nervous to share good news, are you? I mean, if you picture a doctor, he's got the, the cancer report, you know, and he's, he's like, okay, he's cancer-free, my patient is, and he's waiting in the room, how am I going to tell him? okay, I'm going I'm to start with some small talk and then I'm going I'm to maybe, maybe share this if it's going well, but if not, I'm going to save it for next time. No, he's going to walk into the, there and he's going to be like, guess what? You're cancer-free. It's great news. It's great news. It's great news. You're, you're, uh, you're, no, longer, you're no longer a slave. I mean, this, this gospel is so powerful and we have the most powerful message, the greatest news that's ever existed in the world. And what is the gospel? The gospel is not add some Jesus into your life and you'll feel better and your, your life might get a little better. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't God has a plan for your life and he loves you. Yes, that's true, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is that all of us are dead in our sin. We're all dead. There is none righteous amongst us, not one. None of us. Our righteousness are like filthy rags in front of the Father. There's no way for us to ascend to heaven. There's no way for us to get there. But God in his mercy provided a way for us. He said, here is my son. I'm going to give him as a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. And he came to the earth and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross for us, for our salvation. And all we'd have to do is accept his free gift, accept his free gift. It's all you have to do. It's a beautiful truth. And Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, ascended into heaven, and he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. It doesn't end on the cross. He's coming again. We remain dead in our sin as we are. As we are, we're dead, and there's no way we can ascend to God. But let me tell you the good news. All we have to do is believe in Jesus, and we are restored before the Lord. We are restored. We're in right relationship if we would put our faith and our trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. But it doesn't end with us getting to heaven. In fact, it begins when we accept the Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we become empowered to be a witness everywhere we go. The Lord gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit changes our life, and we're able to impact the world around us in ways that we never thought possible. It's a beautiful thing. The definition of evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness, and today I'm focusing on personal witness. Let's look at the biblical mandate for evangelism. Psalm 105.1, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done. Mark 16.15, he said to them, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28:19 Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are all called to evangelize as believers, not just the evangelist. Well, who is the evangelist you might ask? Well, it's one of the fivefold offices that Christ gave the church. Ephesians 4:11 He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the body. These offices are in operation to grow and to mature the body of Christ into its fullness. It creates unity. When these five gifts are in operation, it creates harmony within the body. It's a beautiful uh, scripture about harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. This is a picture as the Holy Spirit anoints an office, that anointing flows down the office and onto the body. So Pastor Jeff and Pastor Sarah, as they pastor us under the anointing of God, they actually transfer their anointing to the body, and we become mini-pastors in our own life because of the anointing they operate under. And the same with an evangelist. As he operates in his gifting and his calling, he creates and multiplies other evangelists in the body. And it's a beautiful picture. It's how the Lord wants this whole thing to work. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what should I teach on today? I mean, I could go fiery, book of Acts. We could talk about, you know, all sorts of miracles and signs and wonders. And I was kind of spinning through my head, what should I teach on? Where should I go with this? And the Lord told me, I want you to teach on the life of Daniel. And I thought to myself, what in the world? The life of Daniel? You know, I mean, that's kind of a a, a complete right turn, you know, (laughs) It's an Old Testament book. It doesn't necessarily pertain to the gospel directly. And so I asked the Lord, why Daniel? I was praying and God answered me. He said, through the life of Daniel and his friends, the most wicked, hard-hearted, and prideful king in history had a transformative encounter with a living God. Daniel's own life lived, testified for him. He did not need to think of himself as an evangelist. He just lived his life. And his life lived was what 2 Corinthians 3 calls an epistle, a living letter of God to be known and read by all men. And that is what we're called to be as witnesses of the gospel. Our life is supposed to be read and that we are a love letter of God to the world around us. We're a love letter. Be reconciled to God. We're called as ambassadors. Be reconciled to God. It's a beautiful life. The Lord said, we might not have a room full of Billy Grahams, but we can have a room full of Daniels. Every single person in here can be a Daniel. And there are four keys. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but let's look at who was Daniel. Daniel was a noble Jewish youth of Jerusalem. He was taken captive into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, and he served the king, but he always remained loyal to God. And now there are four keys in Daniel's life. Let's look at them. I like to call it unlocking hard hearts. Because that's what Daniel did. He unlocked the heart of the king, the most wicked and prideful, hard-hearted king. But essentially, as believers, that's our job, right? We're supposed to go around the world, our sphere of influence, our world, and unlock hard hearts all around us. So that's why I'm using this metaphor as a key because there's, I believe there's three barriers to the gospel, and that final key is the gospel itself unlocking a heart. Let's look at those four keys. We've got number one, Know your citizenship. Number two, no compromise. Number three, know your gifting. And number four, deliver the message. If you're a note taker, these are the four things and only four things I want you to write down, otherwise, you'll be too distracted. So, write down these four, and I want you to think and ask the Holy Spirit what He's saying to you about each of these areas of your life. It's a very simple four things. I want you to really um, really ask the Holy Spirit as I'm talking. Let's jump right into the first one. It's vital. Number one, know your citizenship. I like to call it keeping heaven's perspective. Let's go right into the scripture here. Daniel 1.3, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, Competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned to them a daily portion of the food the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. And among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. So Daniel and his friends are nobility. Okay. They're royalty in Israel and they have been taken Captive in Babylon, and they are offered all of the delicacies that Babylon has to offer. Eat the king's food, it's delicious. Drink the king's drink, it's amazing. Learn our ways, become assimilated. We'll we'll put you in the king's court. Just forget about Israel, forget where you came from, just become a Babylonian. And that is a picture of today's world. We are in the world, we are not of the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We serve a different king in a different kingdom. We do not serve the the God of this world. But we are invited every single day by our world around us to taste of what the world tastes of, to eat what the world eats, and to lose our spiritual eyes and our spiritual focus. We need to remain spiritually minded and not forget our citizenship. So how did Daniel respond? Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. This is a picture when we open our spiritual eyes, we walk in God's favor and we walk in God's compassion. I want to tell you a story about keeping heaven's perspective because it's so easy to lose sight. And anybody that knows me, I love telling testimonies and stories. So this one's going to take a couple crazy turns. Just stay with me. It's going somewhere. Okay. So we were at the Reno airport, my wife and I, and she had promised her grandma that she would call her. We're going to call you before we, f- we take off on our flight. We get through security and she pulls out her phone. And there's like 2% on it. And so I go to grab our charging cords, but me being brilliant, I had packed both of our charging cables in our checked luggage and they were on the plane. See you later. So I went, oh, man, I made such a mistake. Okay, well, we can charge your phone. No big deal. We'll find a rapid charge station, and we'll, we'll keep that promise to your grandma. And, like, no husband wants to, you know, cause a grandma to be upset. So, so I'm like, okay, well, there's a rapid charge station. I run over, plug in her phone, scan the card, and nothing happens. And I look at it, and I look at the cord, and it's completely frayed. Like, I don't know how I didn't notice it, but I'm like, well, that's broken. Like, why, why did I scan my card, man? So I snap a photo to try to get a refund, like that's memories up there. So um, so I'm like, I'm getting frustrated, and I'm like, oh man, okay, well, I'm just going to go and pay the airport prices for a lightning cable. So I walk into a, a store, and I walk up to the shelf, and, and every cable is there except all of the iPhone cords are sold out. I'm like, what is going on? That's crazy. Okay, let's see. I remember I saw a Best Buy vending machine right as I walked in through security, so I'm going to walk all the way to the other side, and I'll... I'll pay the vending machine. And so I wander over there and I'm like, okay, scan my card and the thing goes er, er, and just breaks. And it already charged my card. And I'm like, now I'm down the money from, from the, the rapid charge. I'm down the money from the vending machine. I don't know if I'm going to get it back. I have to tell them that it broke. And I'm just so frustrated. And it was so tempting to live in frustration and lose my spiritual perspective. And I'm normally very spiritually minded. Anyone that knows me, I'm, I normally can keep it together, but I was frustrated. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I just want to make this right. It was my mistake, and I want to fix it. I'm a guy. But okay, so anyways, I was like, Lord, what in the world are you trying to tell me in this? And I, I decided to remember that I was a citizen of heaven, and maybe God is trying to pump the brakes and try to tell me something. So I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, Amy just wants to call her grandma, Lord. She just wants to talk to her grandma. And so I'm like, Lord... What are you trying to show me? And as I'm praying, I promise, I saw a picture of a black dangly cord dangling off of a chair somewhere in the airport that no one was. And it was crystal clear. And I opened my eyes. And I'm like, babe, as I was praying, I saw a picture of a charging cable. And she goes, oh, well, let's go look for it. So we wander to this, the area of the airport. And there's no chairs around. And I'm like scoping. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I see the black cord coming off of the chair. And I know you guys think where this is going, but it's not going that way. So I, I run over to it. And I'm like, oh, the cord. And it's an Android charger. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What? Why are you messing with me? And I look down, and right next to the, the Android charger is this bag. And it is packed full of stuff. It looks like one of those drawstring giveaway bags that's given out um, at, like, you know, concerts and stuff. But it's chock full of something. And I look down at it, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. There's a bag just sitting here. And the moment I look at it, I hear, please report all unattended baggage to airport security. <laughs> Unintended items may be confiscated or destroyed. And I'm like, Amy, do we report that bag? And she's like, what if they went to the bathroom? Like, we don't want to be those people that just, like, walk over and, like, report your stuff the moment you stepped in the restroom. Like, I don't want to be that guy. So we sit, and we're like, let's just watch, and we'll wait. That announcement probably went off like 10 times. It was like, please report, please report. And I'm just staring at the bag like we should report it. We should report it. So now I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to go find a security officer and I'm going to tell him about the bag. I'm going to do my due diligence as a citizen. I walked the whole airport, literally the entire terminal, and I couldn't find one security guard. And I made it back to Amy and I was like, babe, I couldn't find a security guard. She's like, that's impossible. It's a busy weekend. Like there's going to be security. She's like, I'm going to walk with you. And so we do another full loop. Can't find a single security guard. And now we're starting to panic. We're like, is security in on it? Is this a bomb? Like, what is happening right now? Right? And so Amy and I are talking. And all of a sudden, I look out and I see two security guards on the tarmac. And their doors are open. And they're standing on the airport tarmac talking to each other. And they're using hand motions. And one of them looks at the other and does this. And the other one goes, <laughs> and I'm staring at it. I'm like, did you just see that? I mean, I'm going down a rabbit hole at this point. And Amy's like, I don't feel well. I'm not getting on the next flight. I, we need to get out of here right now. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm out of here. So we're like, we're going to walk back through security. We're going to ask to be rebooked. So we're going and like, I find an airline uh, employee that worked for an airline. And I said, Hey, uh, there's this random bag. Can you call security for me and just tell them that it's there? You know, like, and then I just left. Right. So I get down to airport uh, terminal check-in where it's at the Southwest counter and I walk up to the lady and I say, Hey miss, like I'm really, sorry. my wife's not feeling well. Um, is there any way we can jump on the next flight? And she goes, Oh my goodness. Like, I'm so sorry. She's not feeling well. Yes. I will get you on the next flight. So she starts typing, you know, on her keyboard. And all of a sudden her phone starts ringing and it's sitting on the counter and she looks at me and she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Normally my cell phone is not on the counter, but do you mind if I take this real quick? And I go, no, like, it's fine. You already told me that it's going to be completely fine. They'll jump on the next flight. So she answers it and she says, yes, hello. No, no, doctor. No, I do want the test results. No, I do. Want, but I'm actually helping somebody right now. I'm helping a customer. Is there any way you can call me back? And I'm like, no, no, like, don't. Don't let me distract you from your phone call. That seems really important. And she goes, no, no, I told this man I'm going to help him. And so that's what I'm going to do. So she hangs up the phone on the person. And I go, you didn't need to do that. And she goes, no, I made a promise to you. I'm going to help you first, and then I'll take the call. So she starts typing, and she's getting me all rebooked. And I was thinking to myself, man, like, what a sweet lady. And during this time, her phone keeps ringing over and over and over again. And every time it rings, she looks more and more nervous. And eventually, she turns off her phone eventually gets me rebooked on the next flight. And she says, that's it, sir. Is there anything else I can help you with? And I just looked at her and I saw that she was uh, a bit frazzled. And I said, no, that's great. You've really helped me, but are you okay? And she looks at me dead in the eyes and says, are you a man of God? And I said to her, I'm a man of Jesus. And she goes, oh, thank God. She reaches across the counter and grabs both my hands. And she says, I am so scared. I'm so scared of this phone call and what's on the other side of this line. I'm so scared of what the doctor is going to tell me. I'm terrified. Will you pray for me? And I said, yes, I will. And I prayed right there in the middle of Southwest with a line all around us. We prayed for the peace of heaven and for a good result on the other end of that line together God diverted my entire life for a moment with this woman. She needed to hear the truth of God in the right time, and she needed a man of God standing in front of her in that moment. How many times do we get caught up in our own life, right? How many times? We went on to to then uh, go back to the store, and I know you guys were wondering, did I ever get a cable? (laughs) We went back through security. I walked back into the store to get something else, and all of a sudden, fully restocked. So I go over and I buy the cable off, off the thing and I'm standing in line and I'm so full of the love of God and what God just did for, for, for me and this lady and I'm so relieved that there's not an actual bomb that I, I start telling the lady at the counter, man, Jesus loves you so much. And she goes, oh, you don't wanna to talk to me about Jesus. And I go, what, what's going on? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm a devout uh, Jew and, and I read the Torah every day. I read it in Hebrew. Have you ever read the, the Torah in Hebrew? I go, no, I haven't. So I haven't but but I do know that that Yeshua Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And I began to talk to her about Jesus and we went back and forth. It started as a casual conversation, became more and more heated, right? And I'm I'm trying to give the truth in love and all of a sudden she's yelling at me. And this is with customers, this is in the middle of everyone. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go i got to go get on my flight. It's been really nice talking to you. And I didn't want to make her feel forced in the conversation because she's working and I'm not. So I go, Miss, like it was great talking with you. I'm going to get to my flight. And she goes, oh, no, you don't. I'm, where, where's, your, where's your gate? And I was like, it's all the way down. And she's like, I'm walking with you. I'm going to keep telling you how wrong you are. And so, so she legitimately, I kid you not, abandons her, her job. There are people like... Where's the cashier going? And she walks with me. And as we're walking to the gate, the Lord softens our heart. We're having a conversation. And by the end of when we reached the gate, she allowed Amy and I to lay hands on her and pray in the name of Jesus. When, when we got on our flight, our, our seats were split up, right? Because we had just gotten rebooked. And we could have been angry and upset and lost our heavenly perspective But we ended up witnessing to two people seated next to each other. She witnessed to a single mom that she was seated next to and had to hear the gospel. And I witnessed to a father who was seated with his son who needed to hear the truth. And this is what God wants to do for all of us in our lives. If we would only have eyes to see, how many opportunities do we miss because of distraction? That's a question I want you to ask yourself. How many do we miss? 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us, the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But I'm going to tell you this. He blinds unbelievers to Christ, but he blinds believers to evangelism opportunities. I'm going to say that again. He blinds unbelievers to Christ, but the devil blinds you to evangelism opportunities. He is out to distract you. There is only one person in this equation— they can have their eyes open. One is blinded. The other one either has their eyes closed or open. If we walk around with our spiritual eyes closed, how are we going to lead others to Christ? Matthew 15, 14 says, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. In John four thirty five, Jesus says, open your eyes. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. They're out there. Just keep your eyes open. If the devil can't have you, He will distract you until you're no longer useful to the kingdom of God. It's what he does. I want you to remember your citizenship. Remember your role as an ambassador for God. That's what Daniel did. Number two, no compromise. We're going to get into some hard stuff really quick, but I love you and hear my heart on this. I've walked through this stuff, so... I like to call no compromise getting the king's attention or the world's attention around you. So Nebuchadnezzar sets up an idol and says, everyone needs to worship this idol. They need to bow when they hear music. And when they bow, they will worship. And if they don't bow, they'll be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. But Daniel's three friends refuse to compromise. They refuse to bow to the idol of the world. And they say, nope, not doing it. I'm going to stand. In a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar called the three men before him. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, trier, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and to worship the image that I have made, well, well and good. But if you do not worship you shall be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I want you to picture what that looks like with me for a second. The entire country and nation of Babylon, at the drop of a hat, falls on their face to worship. And here are the three men sticking out like sore thumbs, standing up. Okay, How awkward would that have been? And how tempting to just be like, oh, I've got... uh, I've got my sandal, Uh, it needs a strap untied, just tie that up really quick. No one needs to know I'm not worshiping. But these men didn't even want to give the appearance of compromise. They said, absolutely not. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand. We're not going to look like them, even if if we choose not to defile ourselves. We don't want to give the appearance of it. So what happens when they get called in? What did they say? How these men respond, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They remembered their citizenship and who they served. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image that you have set up. These men knew that refusing to bow might cost them everything. They were thrown into the fire. And all of a sudden, God himself delivered these men from the fire of testing. He showed up in the fire with them. And it actually says in Scripture that the fire had no power over them. Because God was with them. They chose to stand when everyone else was bowing. The world said, you can't do that. And they said, yes, we can. Our God makes us able to stand. Right? So what happened? Seeing the reality of God's deliverance forced the king to rethink his whole position. All of a sudden, verse 328, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel And delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship anyone other than their own God. This is what happens when we refuse to bow to sin. When people see us delivered from sin in God's power and not our own, they are forced to reevaluate everything. They say, My goodness, everyone bows to sin and you didn't and, and God delivered you from it? How is that even possible? I'm gonna tell you a testimony. Before Christ, I was an addict. I was an addict and I was addicted to every sort of substance or thing you could imagine. I was addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to gambling, anything that you could use to satiate yourself, I was doing it. Okay? I was radically touched by God in a supernatural way, and it opened my heart to receive a seed. And I'll tell you that the seed that I received was when I heard an evangelist speaking. And I had heard the gospel before, but I never heard the gospel from the mouth of someone whose life lined up with what he was saying. And when I heard it, it cut my heart because it was listening to the truth line up with the truth. And that is a powerful thing that happens. And so I realized that, who Jesus was, that he was the actual son of God, that he loves me, that God's not mad at me. He's begging and has his hand out, come and be reconciled. And so I gave my life over to Jesus and I began began to get transformed. As I was reading the, the scriptures, I would feast on it eight, 10, 12 hours a day. I could not get enough. And as I read the word, the living word read me and it became flesh in my own life. It dwelt among me in my own life. My thoughts and actions and intentions changed. I no longer wanted the things that I used to want. All of a sudden, my mindset started to change. My addiction started falling off of me under his power and not mine. I didn't even have to try. It was just all of a sudden, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to do this. Every area was free except for one, and that was the sin of pornography. You see, when I first started a relationship with Amy, I lied to her. I told her, well, I've never dealt with pornography. That's not my issue. And so, when I gave my life to Christ, I never went back and corrected that. I never said, Yes, I was under the power of that as well. And so, I didn't experience freedom from it. And guess what? That lie, that one single lie, is an open door for the enemy to come in and beat you up whenever he wants. It's a hard word. And so, when I fell as a Christian man, I went, God what is going on? You give me freedom from everything else. Why am I stuck in this? And he pointed at that lion and said, get that thing out of your life. Rip it out. Pull that thing into the light where I can shine and my power can meet you. But if it's in the darkness, it's not going to help. And so what did I do? I ignored it. I ignored it. I said, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Lord, Lord, I can stumble, but you'll pick me back up. I tried to mentally ascend to freedom. I tried to think, if I just understand the gospel a bit better, I don't really need to confess all of this. Put that in the past, we'll just forget about it. But if I understand who I am in Christ, I can be free. And when I wasn't and I fell again and again and again, hopelessness and despair, it was awful. And I know that some of us are living in that right now. And I know that this word was given today because God wants you to be free. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to tell you it in love, and just hear me when I say this. None of us are going to live a sinless life. We're all going to stumble. But when you stumble over and over again in the same area, you're not stumbling, you're practicing. You're practicing. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And I said, God, get me free. I was feeling the conviction and the weight. And I said, God, this isn't right. It doesn't need to be like this. You've given me supernatural freedom. Why can't I get it? And he pointed that thing again and said, Confess, bring it into the light, let it shine before men. He said, When you keep a secret in your life, this is you. You're cowering in Babylon, you're cowering in darkness. You're worshiping the God of this world. You're giving yourself over to the things of this world. Stand up. And I said, Lord, I can't. It'll cost me my marriage. Stand up. I can't, Lord. It'll compromise my ministry. Stand up, Brian. Stand up. And so I did. I stood up and I said, Lord, if it costs me everything, I'll have you. I'll have you, and that's all I need. That is all I need. And I say it prophetically right now. If there's hidden sin in your life, stand up. Don't bow to the things of this world. Don't give yourself over to the things of this world. Be free in Jesus' name. God swept in and met me in such a miraculous way. And he said, Brian, I can finally trust you with my whole heart. And he wrapped me in his arms, and I experienced supernatural freedom. And now I can speak it with authority and boldness, because I walk in it. And you can be free in Jesus' name. You can be free. When you refuse to compromise the gospel, you stand in direct confrontation with the enemy. As we go out and we preach the gospel, let me just ask you something. Is it... Are you bowing to anything in your life? Just sit there and think about it for a moment. Are you bowing to anything? We preach John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the message we carry. We walk around and we'll carry it into dark places. But guess what? If there's darkness in you, then nothing's shining on it. How are people going to see it? How are they going to see it? What we don't realize is later John 3:19 says, "This is the judgment, light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed, but those who does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that the works are carried out in God." Are we walking around in compromise? Are we walking in darkness or are we willing to let the light shine on every area of our life as well as the gospel message we carry? Because it will be illuminated before men. If there is nothing hidden and dark in you, the light of Christ blasts through that thing and illuminates the gospel message. You will be visible. You will stand out like the three men. They stood up to the tidal wave of this world saying, you can't, everyone bows. I will not. I refuse to personally bow to the God of this world and give myself over willingly to sin. I refuse. Titus 2.14, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make his, his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. And that's the message I carry today. Can you, like Daniel's friends, say that I would rather die than compromise this gospel? That brings me to number three. Know your gifting. Displaying God's power, I like to call it. All of us have spiritual gifts. Let's take a look at Daniel's gift. Daniel 17. As for these four youths God gave them learning and skill in all literature wisdom Daniel had learning had understanding in all visions and dreams at the end of the time when the king had commanded they should be brought in the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar and the king spoke with them and among them was none was found like Daniel Hananiah Mishael and Azariah therefore they stood before the king and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. This is a picture of us when we're operating in our gifting. You're 10 times better than the world when you operate in God's gift. 10 times better. I want you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight as we look at the next slide, here are some supernatural gifts. Okay, these are not all of them, but I want you to just look upon them as I read them. Administration, discernment, exhortation, Faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, wisdom. Maybe you don't know your gift. Maybe the Holy Spirit is highlighting one of these. But I believe that today the Holy Spirit is going to stir up your gift for the purpose of evangelism like never before. That's what's going to happen today. And if you don't know your gift... Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But if you do, I want to ask you something. Are you using your gifting for the kingdom of God? Your gift is either in service of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between. It's either bringing God glory or it's bringing you glory. It's a hard word. Matthew 12, 30 says, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Our supernatural gift, mine, one of them in operation is discernment. In the service of myself, I was a poker player. I could read people. I was using my gift for ill-gotten gains to steal money from people. God-given gift, but I was using it for self-glory. I was good too, but it was, it was in pursuit of the wrong thing. And now, as that gift has been redeemed, as I share the gospel with people, I know how to read people. I know how to, how to share the gospel in a way that hits their heart and doesn't offend them. That's a supernatural gift. And that's what God wants to give to you right now. But he wants you to commit your gift to his service, like Daniel. It'll give you an audience with the king. It will display God's power. The prayer team at the end is going to have an opportunity to pray with you over that. So Daniel was already proven in his ability to interpret dreams. Okay, we're going to look at the last key, number four, deliver the message. Nebuchadnezzar had an open heart. So Nebuchadnezzar had already called Daniel in, seen his gift in operation, was ready to receive because Daniel had already proven himself by his gifting and delivered a message that made Nebuchadnezzar realize that, man, there's something about this guy, Daniel. I don't know what it is in particular, but what is it? I just know there's something about him and he can interpret this next dream. I want to invite the worship team to come up. I'm about to finish. So Daniel 4.18. Nebuchadnezzar talking. In this dream, King Nebuchadnezzar saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men in my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And I just love that quote because, I mean, he still doesn't get it, the spirit of the holy gods. But he's about to realize who... God actually is, and it's going to be through Daniel using his gift, speaking truth in love. Let's look at what Daniel says. Daniel says, This is the interpretation, O king. It's a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men. And gives it to whom he wills. Could you imagine standing before the most powerful man in all of history and telling him that? Talk about a hard message. Yeah, God's God's saying you're going to be humbled and crawl on all fours. Like, that's terrifying. But Daniel knew his place and his purpose was to deliver a message in the right moment to an unlocked heart. The seed hit Nebuchadnezzar's heart after watching that Daniel kept his citizenship, that his friends never compromised, that, man, this guy's gifted in something I have no idea how to wrap my brain around. His heart is open and the seed hits his heart. Let's look at the fruit of the seed. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. What Daniel says comes to pass. Nebuchadnezzar's eyes are open to the truth of who God is and his heart is unlocked with the message. Daniel had that message to deliver. But now all of us, all believers, we have the same message. We're all given the same one. There are not many ways to heaven. There is one way. His name is Jesus. He's a free gift. If you believe in him and you repent, God will transform your life. He will change you. He will absolutely change you into the image and conform you to the image of his son. And when the world sees you, they will begin to see Jesus walk into the room. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to create a world full of Daniels that win their own world. And by by that happening, the entire world will come to know him. We're a giant body of believers all in operation in our individual sphere, and that wins the world to Christ. I believe supernaturally these are the four categories the Lord is going to respond to today in power. I want to invite the prayer team up, and I'm going to pray over each of these categories. And after my prayer... I just want to invite you if, if you've never given your life to Christ or you've given your life and you've fallen away, come find me after service. I want to pray with you. If you want to give your life to Christ today, I want to pray with you personally. So I'll wait for you guys for that. But these are the four categories. And if the Holy Spirit is highlighting one of these, receive prayer, either prayer time where you are, prayer time at the altar, prayer time with our prayer team. After I'm done praying, I'm going to formally dismiss you. But right now, Lord, Father, I ask that our spiritual eyes would remain open to the fields around us, the hard hearts all around us, God, I pray for anyone who has highlighted this area that you walk around with your spiritual eyes closed and you want the Lord to give you a supernatural heaven's perspective. I'm speaking it prophetically. The anointing is flowing from this office onto you. When I walk in, you can walk in. And right now I release supernatural sight in Jesus' name, supernatural ears to hear in Jesus' name. God, open their eyes to the harvest, Lord. Inspire and equip and get people excited. We are the light of the world. We will shine in the darkness. We will remain with our eyes open, able to see what you're moving in, in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask right now for those in compromise. God, right now, those in compromise, let conviction hit their heart. This is not about shame or condemnation. There is freedom in Jesus like nothing else you've ever experienced. He will transform every area of your life. He is the power, He is the anointing. He is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And I just declare right now freedom in Jesus' name over you. Freedom. Stand up. Don't bow anymore. Don't bow to the things of this world. Jesus. Let the anointing that breaks the yoke rest right now in Jesus' name. All hidden sin be gone from this place. It loses its power in Jesus' name as we stand in the light and let our light so shine before men that they will glorify the Father in heaven. Turn up our brightness, Lord, so that we may affect change in the world around us. Oh, Lord, and right now, your gifting, Lord, I pray that you supernaturally stir the gifts in the body. Every single one, Lord, every single one. You want them all in operation, all of them for the kingdom of God, all of them for your glory, testifying that you make people 10 times better when they do things under your power and anointing. So right now, reveal spiritual gifts, even as people come up for prayer. And I just wanna invite you right now, if you have any of these areas, come up right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come up for prayer. Jesus. And Father, I just ask you right now that you would create divine appointments for us to deliver the message and we would be fearless in it. I just break off fear in Jesus' name over sharing the gospel. It's great news. It's the best news that's ever existed in all of creation. It is the perfect message that God does not count our sins against us. We are reconciled to God. It is beautiful and it is powerful. Holy Spirit, right now, I release this body into the evangelist mantle. Right now, every single believer in this body is called to go evangelize the gospel and be excited about it in jesus name i pray guys be blessed i love you thank you so much
1: hey let's give it up for brian that was amazing message amazing message um you know one of the things that uh we talk a lot about here is the fivefold ministry god gave apostles pastors teachers evangelists and teachers the same all yeah um their job is to build up the body, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And, you know, I recognize the gift of the evangelist in Brian. Do you guys recognize that? And so one of the reasons that he's here today, he's, we're not here to just look at Brian and go, man, thank God we got somebody like that in our church. It's really to go, for him, he's trying to help equip us to go out and share our, our, our faith to the rest of the world and uh, you may not all do all the things that he does but you will start you, you are called we are called to share our faith can we all say that we're called to do that and i just want to encourage you in that but we're gonna as we release uh, everybody we're gonna continue to have worship and if you need prayer for anything any of these areas compromise and um, your giftings i've already mentioned it this morning go sign up on our website if you feel like you've got a gift everybody has a gift. Use your gifts somewhere in the body of Christ to meet a need. Do it online. And uh, bless you guys in the name of Jesus. Have an amazing week. Love you.